Welcome to the podcast series for the ESRC-funded International Centre for Life Course Studies in Society and Health at UCL. In today's podcast, Professor Amanda Sacker discusses new research which asks why children from poor families are more likely to be overweight and obese. We know a lot about the links with poverty and obesity in adulthood. And in the earlier years, most of the research has been done on older adolescents. So given the strong links over time in obesity and how it tracks over time, we wanted to look at earlier stages of the life course, bearing in mind that age 11 is a time when young people are changing from primary to secondary school, and it's sort of therefore a good point to intervene. You're using the Millennium Cohort Study. What information does this study have that makes it such a good resource to look at these issues and what specifically from it were you using? Well it's a wonderful resource because it has both measured height and weight by nurses on on the children as they grow up as well as a very rich survey data on all sorts of um, social, economic and uh, psychological you know, sort of backgrounds of young people so we can explore all the different types of influences on children's weight. So in particular it has um, all sorts of information on the children's uh, environment as they're growing up, things about their diet, about their activities and about what their mothers are doing so we can get a full picture of the family background. Now before we get into the questions about obesity and overweight, can you tell us what the study tells us about the numbers of children considered to be poor and how you're measuring that? We're measuring it using household income, which is adjusted to take account of the the number and the ages of the family groups so that uh, we don't disproportionately favour small families. And we categorise the income into five equally sized groups. And based on the information that the Millennium Cohort team have reported in their user guide, that bottom group, the bottom 20%, are all below the sort of poverty line. And when you look at the next group up, just a few of those will also be in, in poverty. So they're mainly above the poverty line. Now, when it comes to the factors that might lead to obesity or might have an influence on it, what sorts of things did you focus in on, on, on there? We focused very much on family factors Um, starting with factors around the time of the child's birth. So um, behaviours that the mother's been doing during pregnancy and uh, after pregnancy, such as whether she smoked during pregnancy, whether she breastfed, and what age the child was when they were introduced to solid food. And then at age 11, we had information on the the physical activities of the child, so um, whether they were doing sports, cycling, or whether they were being sedentary, sort of sitting in front of the TV or computer for long periods of time. Um, And then finally we looked at their sort of dietary environment, whether they were having plenty of fresh fruit, whether they um, were drinking sugary drinks, that sort of thing. So when it came down to it, were children from poorer backgrounds most likely to be overweight or obese? And and how did that compare when you were looking at the better off, the richer counterparts? So compared with the top 20% of of the um, population, um, the poorest group were no more likely to be overweight 
but they were more likely to be um, obese. So the bottom two groups, that's the top 40% of the population, the bottom 40% were around three times more likely to be obese than the richest 20%. Um, what were the key things to emerge when you started to adjust those results for things like mother's health behaviours, um, physical activity and diet, the sorts of things that you mentioned earlier? Well, we looked at each of those groups of behaviours um, individually, and then we looked at them all together. And what we found was that all those behaviours did explain some of the gradient in obesity. Um, there wasn't one particular group that stood out as being different, showing that it's a sort of a combination of all, of all these things. And when we took account of all of them, we pretty much explained away all the social gradient in obesity. The only group that remained slightly different from the richest group were those ones that were just above the poverty threshold. Now you went on to take a longitudinal look at how weights change from childhood into early adolescence. What did you find there? Well when we looked at just who put on weight and who lost weight we found very similar findings when looking at just that static look at age 11 so that there was no difference across the income groups in who lost weight, similar to that finding for being overweight, but when we looked at who put on weight, then there was the clear income gradient again. Now, from a policy perspective, there often seems to be quite a range of very single-focused initiatives like eat more fruit or stop drinking sugary drinks. What does this research tell us about what the f policy focus should be when it comes to tackling uh, obesity in children and adolescents? Well, there's very much an emphasis on the fact that there's no one single intervention that's going to change obesity in young people. And in fact, the current focus on sugar as, as being the something that's being highlighted at the moment isn't really supported by our research, although I have to say we only had one measure about sugary drinks in our research. And there's still obviously no question that sugary drinks are bad for dental health. So we wouldn't want to take away that message. But nevertheless, just focusing on sugar is not going to help with the child obesity epidemic according to our research. Why are early adolescents from poor families at increased risk of overweight and obesity is researched by Amanda Saka, Alice Goises and Yvonne Kelly. More information is available on the website www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash ICLS. <laughs>